Hey, so good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, so good to be here with you today. Uh, I'm a little, I'm excited, you know, because I love finishing and accomplishing things, but at the same time, I'm also kind of like lamenting that we're going to finish walking through the book of James today. Um, I have developed a deep appreciation for James uh, that I used to not have as I walked through it, and I kind of like want to go back through it and restudy it again, because then when you study something, you see more insights and more insights. Um, and I disagree with what Martin Luther said, that James is a straw epistle. I'm like, man, there's just so much pastoral grace that's in this letter. And so my hope for each of you is that, that you've gotten something out of it. Some of you guys are like, man, I'm happy to be out of James. Uh, and so I'm happy to jump into something else. But honestly, like, I'm, I'm loving it. So uh, we're going to be finishing up the book of James, chapter 5 today. How's everyone doing? We doing good? Um, I'm going to flip to the page here. We're going to be in uh, kind of a, a weird ending with James I almost hate to say this, like it, it just, he's, he gives us like so many bullet points and not like one streamline uh, point. I, I love to teach with just an emphasis on one point because most of us, if we're honest, like we're not going to remember 10 points. We struggle to remember three and we're lucky if we remember one. By like Friday, you're like, what was the sermon on on Sunday, right? And so it's really good just to hammer that one point and get that ingrained because that's what you're going to remember, usually if it's in three words or less, you get it. And so I don't know if it's some insecurity, like, man, I don't know if they're going to remember this sermon because there's going to be multiple points. I've wrestled with it all week, like tried to fabricate, like maybe I can squeeze this in. And it's just like, you know what? I was going to preach the text and hopefully the spirit speaks to you in a way. I'm saying this because you guys are going to have to work to memorize the sermon today. Like it's not just going to be kind of spoon fed to you where you're, it's going to come nice and easy. Like there's multiple points today. But I'm confident that you guys can digest that. It, it almost reminds me of like, um, as the this, this weather has warmed up, I have a list that is growing. Like I got to change the oil in the lawnmower. I got to clean the gutters. Like I'm just like, this is exhausting, the amount of stuff, because it's warmed up that now I have to do. And I feel like James, in, in closing, is like, here's a list for you. And, and I want you guys to remember this. Like, he's squeezing in every last ounce of word on the page that he possibly can. And he's like, this is what I want for you guys. Because I may not ever see you again, may not be able to write to you again. And so I want to make sure that I exhaust everything. So we're going we're gonna to take his last closing arguments, argument arguments, uh, teaching, and we're going to try to have something that's applicable for us today. Okay? You think we do it? Yeah? All right. So let's open up to uh, chapter 5, verse 12, and let's read what James has for us here. He says, But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. And so what James has said is something that's incredibly powerful, and he's relying upon two verses that I want us to see. As we look at these last uh, uh, few verses, James is kind of assuming, because he's already spoken about it, in chapter 1, verse 18, he writes this, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. I'm going to hold on to that idea of truth, okay, that we should be kind of a first fruits 
of his creatures. And so when James says truth, what he's talking about is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's saying that there, Jesus lived a sinless life, that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, that God in his grace has revealed that truth to us, and when we receive that truth, we acquire wisdom and knowledge for the living of everyday life. And so James is kind of assuming like there's this umbrella idea of a declaration of truth. And he's also kind of assuming, in his closing, uh, another passage in chapter 2, verse 8, where it says, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, this is the part I want you to hold on to, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're doing well. And so James is assuming kind of this bird's eye idea that the gospel transforms and shapes our identity in such a way that it becomes manifested in a way that we love one another. And so when we go back to um, chapter 5, verse 12, we have received the truth and tamed the tongue, as he has said. There is an identity transformation such that the way we interact with one another now brings an integrity such that you can see through how I speak the truth being revealed, even if it is in something as simple as, hey, I'm going to clean your gutters. You can trust that I'm going to clean your gutters. Like if I were to tell you, I'm going to clean your gutters, and you were to say, are you, are you really, really going to clean my gutters? I'd, I'd be like, well, yeah, I mean, I, I said I would. And if you were to say, would you be willing to sign this contract that says you'll clean my gutters, I'm gonna, I would be mildly offended at that point. Because I would think that you don't believe me. I would think that my word isn't good enough for you. And, and rightfully so, right? And so what he's saying is that when you talk with one another, because Jesus has transformed the very integrity of the framework, the identity of who you are, that you can have a simple yes be yes and no be no. If you are people who are about the truth and the declaration of the truth, then the words that come out of your mouth are truthful and thus believable, and you don't, know to, you don't need to have any evidence to prop those up other than your actions. Does that make sense? And so if we're people who have to validate our words by some contract or oath, then we're probably not even saying the truthful words that we need to. And so he's seeing a practically a power in truth, a power in the gospel that even shapes the way we speak with one another. And underlining all that is this idea that we love one another, and so we're going to be truthful to one another. And so if I tell you, hey, I'm going to clean your gutters, you can say, He's going to clean my gutters. Now the struggle is, when's he going to clean my gutters, right? <laughs> because I'm busy. And so you might have to wait a while. And then we're going to work on patience like we did last week. And so really practically, he's seen power in truth. And he continues here in these points, right? It's really hard to, to find a stream through all of it. But he continues here in a very practical pastoral application of how the gospel impacts us today. And he says in 13, is any among you suffering? You see that? Isn't that powerful? If any of you are suffering, let him pray. And so he begins to say, hey, there's a practical step. I, I see that some of you are suffering. Some of you are hurt. And so I want just a, a practical step for you to get back to the grace of, not out of the grace of God, but back to a place where you can say, man, it, it doesn't hurt anymore. A conduit for that is prayer. And he says, is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. In the same context. Isn't that beautiful? Because sometimes when we're around people who are deeply depressed, 
And we feel like celebrating. We're like, man, I don't know if that's appropriate time to celebrate. And what he's saying is in the body of Christ, you're going to have both of those. And in some ways, that's necessary because those who are discouraged and deeply depressed need to see practically that there's light at the end of the tunnel, there's hope. And sometimes we need to be, when we're down, lifted up, even if it is just as simple as celebrating someone else's happiness and someone's joy. And he's saying there's a place for those who suffer and who have praise in the same place. And then he says something that gets a little bit deeper in 14. He says, is any among you sick? And the reason why this is a little bit deeper is because James is seeing a distinction or difference between suffering and illness. And the illness he's seeing is one that's caused by sin. And so that's why he says this. Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer, you notice he didn't say women, right? You guys are like, I just just thought in my head, like, he doesn't say men and women, just says men. Him. No one else finds that funny, right? Because women are perfect and men, like, we cause all the problems. So, at least in my marriage, that's how it goes. Okay, in verse 15, no amens, really? Like, ladies, I laid that out there for you. That's like a softball pitch, but you guys are like, I ain't touching it. (laughs) No, my husband's right here, I ain't touching it. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So James is saying that some of you are suffering because of the circumstances around you, and some of you are joyful because of the work Jesus is doing in your life, and some of you are sick because of the sin that has occurred. And there's a practical conduit in which you can find healing and restoration, and that is to go to those who God has entrusted to care for you and confess to them your sin. And then we begin to see very practically why James has said we can't judge one another. Because if you think about it, how difficult is it to, one, be convicted of sin, and two, have the courage to then go confess that sin, and if you experience in your confession judgment, guess what's going to happen next time you experience conviction? You're going to keep it to yourself, right? And so if someone comes to to us and they say, I have sinned against you, brother or sister, or I have sinned against them, then we need to really look at our heart and like, man, this is an incredible testament of what God is doing. He's entrusting us in the restoration process of this brother or sister in Christ. And so by his grace, we need to point them to Jesus and see what James says, that their sins will be forgiven. Do you see how he's assuming that truth, that gospel? And so he's seen power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's seen power in prayer, but he's also seen power in community because he's assuming that you are in the body of Christ. This can't happen by yourself, right? If you're confessing to an elder, another person, there has to be at least one other person there. In 16, he continues, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is the part I want you to hold on to and see where he says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Church, great power. For, for as we read that, like, I'm like, man, I want to experience that. My heart as a pastor is I want you to experience that. I want you to see that Jesus works through prayer, that there is power in prayer, and he gives us an example. And those of us who kind of understand or maybe write especially if you write letters, like you do typically don't introduce a new teaching point in your conclusion. Like you don't say P.S. and then began a new teaching point. But he begins this example that there is a power in prayer in Elijah, which a lot of people, especially if you read commentators, like they, they dislike the closing because it's just, there's no, 
there's no streamline in it. And so he gives us an example of Elijah, but if we look at the totality of who Elijah was, it makes sense. And he says in 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like, like ours. So just like you and me, he's human, right? And he prayed fervently. So he, he did what, so James is getting some application from his life. That it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. In verse 18. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. That, that can seem kind of like it's sticking out of place, like it's a wart on the side of your hand, until you understand that James is looking at the entirety of Elijah's life. Here's this prophet who received the truth of God, the word of God, and declared that word to Israel such that he restored a rebellious and wandering people back to God, and in that he was dependent upon prayer. If you want to go back and read it for yourself, it's in 1 Kings 17 and 18. He's kind of reading through it. And you see that Elijah was, even after he worked to, to restore and do God's work, he came to a place where he just thought, I'd rather die. And so James is looking at the entirety of life and saying, there is an example for you and me. And so when we read people like Elijah or Paul, our tendency is to say that they're the exception rather than the expectation. So James isn't saying that here is an unobtainable example for you. He's saying here is an obtainable example for you. Just like Elijah. Do you hear that, church? Just like Paul. Just like James. There's no superheroes in our faith other than Jesus Christ. And there's people just like you and me that can experience the power of prayer. Now, it might not necessarily be that we're going to stop it from raining for three days and three nights because we want to say, like James said, let the Lord's will be done. Like, we want it to be his will, but we can still experience the power of prayer, the power of community, and allow the gospel to work through us in a way that's transformative. And he continues here in verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, look at this, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And so we say, why did James write his letter? What's well, right there. He wanted the grace of Jesus Christ to cover a multitude of sins. He wanted as many people as possible to know the grace of God and experience the grace of God here in a present reality. And so he gave us these pastoral points so that our faith today can be deepened, but greater than that, our love for Jesus can grow and we can see his love for us revealed. And so like Elijah, who restored a wandering Israel, we've been given the truth to restore ourselves to Jesus but then also, like Elijah, pro- profess that truth to see other people restored to the grace of God. Now, as I was praying about this passage, I felt like in some ways, like, man, I want you guys as much as possible. Like, I don't want to fabricate it. I don't want to try to hype you guys up. But I want you to experience the power of prayer in the immediate context here. And it felt like if, we just, if I just send you guys out and you go home, it would felt like if I was teaching you how to throw a curveball but never put the actual ball in your hand. And so what I want to do is give us space today to pray. I want to give you space right here and right now to experience the grace of God in community. I, I want to put the ball in your hand, so to speak. And so I'm not trying to hype something up. I don't want it to feel like an awkward fit. Like I think sometimes when I'm feeding my kids broccoli, I'm like, what's the point? You know what I mean? Like it just, 
They're like, well, lather it in ranch. I'm like, I don't know. Like, it just makes it unhealthy. Like, well, why don't I just pour like some sugar on it too? You know, like just defeat the purpose of giving you broccoli. Like it's got to taste bad or it's not healthy, right? Isn't that the way it is? No? <laughs> Deep fry it maybe? I don't know. But my hope is that he, right here, right now, we can take some time, give you some space to just pray. And, and James tells us there's three things to pray for or pray through. One is, how are you doing? Are you suffering? Like, are you hurting? How, how's your heart? One of the things we do in our family every day is we do heart checks. You can go up to my kids and you can say, how's your heart? And they'll tell you. And sometimes they'll be honest, like, not too good. Well, as we were driving home yesterday, I don't want to call him out, but he's, he's you know, he's six, Ryan, Ryan five. He's like, I have hate in my heart right now. And so we processed with a five-year-old, why is there hate in your heart? And like a lot of us, he's like, I don't know. And, he's, and I'm like, well, I don't know either. So let's pray about it. And so how are we doing? How, are you suffering? Are you joyous? I mean, because if you're joyous, like, I want to know. Because sometimes when I'm down, I want to know. And so if God has worked in your life and you're joyous, man, I'll give you time to praise him, to pray. And if you're sick, I want to give you space to confess that, to come forward and repent of your sins. So I've asked uh, the Smiths, Kristen and Jim. Jim's going to come up here and look pretty. And Kristen's going to pray in the spirit. And then Bill and Allie as well, they're just going to be up here. You don't have to come forward if you don't want to. The beautiful thing after the last, the last service is someone said, hey, I felt like the Spirit was telling me to go forward, but I just didn't feel comfortable. So would you pray with me now? And so I got to pray with someone after service last, and they confessed what's going on, what Jesus is doing, and they got to come before an elder of a church and be prayed over. And so my hope is that you guys take the ball, experience the power of prayer, and we can worship Jesus in prayer. Does that, that make sense? Tim, Tim told me after last service real nicely, like, be articulate. Like, let, like, give the points very clearly is a nice way of saying it. I didn't do a good job last time. And so if you're suffering, man, if you're, if you're joyful or if you're sick, let's just pray. I want to give you some space to pray. Uh, I want to pray for you and then just give you guys probably about five or ten minutes to pray. Is that okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you're doing. Uh, I thank you for the life that you've given us. I thank you that you are at work in our life. And Lord, I do pray that you would put on our heart topics of prayer. I pray that it wouldn't feel contrived or manufactured. I pray that you, Lord, would speak to us in this place that we could feel very practically what James is talking about, that it wouldn't be something that other people experience and it's something we never experience. Instead, Lord, I pray just for a personal experience of your grace in this place here today. I pray that as we bow our heads, that the Spirit speaks to us and through us, that we can feel our hearts being drawn into a deeper relationship with you, that our hearts would be healed, that our spirits would be restored, that our minds would just be captivated by the grace of Jesus Christ. I pray for those, Lord, who won't come forward. I pray that you would still be tender towards them, that you would love them and encourage them. I pray for the sins that won't be confessed, that, Lord, you do draw people to conviction. Draw those sins out of the life. Let them taste what it feels like to be set free by Jesus and to be transformed and renewed into the likeness of you. Lord, very practically, let us be a church that pursues you, that knows your truth, experiences your truth, and that loves you. 
Let's be people who practice the royal law in our lives and love our neighbor. Lord, so as we turn our hearts to prayer, as we uh, worship you through prayer, we ask that you would protect us, watch over us. The lies that Satan has tried to feed us, we wouldn't digest those. Instead, it would just be your truth that would set us free, your spirit that would speak to us, and your love, Lord. Your love would be real to us. I pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen.